What's up, gamers? Welcome to Battle Mallet Podcast, Episode 6. Our Danny lies over the ocean. Uh, this is the Battle Mallet Podcast, a podcast delving into the minds of four busy gamers, uh, our annual trip to Nova, the games that we love, and balancing uh, our lives with those games. I'm Jared. I'm Trace. I'm Jason. And uh, once again, we find ourselves uh, one Danny short of a full podcast. Um, and that just so happens because our homeboy is, uh, I think, actively on an airplane over the Atlantic Ocean right now uh, yep. at the time of recording on uh, the way to his honeymoon. This is the or balancing the life p- with those games part. That's yeah. right. Yep. No, he's not on his honeymoon. He's making the pilgrimage to pilgrimage to gw that's really oh, yeah. where he's going yeah yeah. So. yeah yeah he's making his pilgrimage to gw and happens to be bringing his newlywed wife along with him yeah i'm sure that's exactly how that's going down <laughs> don't, don't be fooled though folks because she also has a little bit of a nerdy side too and she actually said that she was interested to go see all the like dioramas and stuff there so well and uh, she's She's painted a silver tower figure. She has. She, she did has. a bang out she job has. on that thing too. Yeah, she had a lot of fun playing silver tower. That's not you know what three years ago now. Yeah, is it probably. Three? Good lord. Yeah, where does the time go? <sighs> right. um, but we attended his wedding over the weekend, and we yeah. were all. I was super excited to get to spend time outside of gaming with you guys, and yeah, it was um, fun. we were super happy for Danny and happy that we were involved in that. Yeah. Um, Happy to be a part of it. his and Sarah's special day. Yes. Congratulations again, Danny. Yep. I don't know how you found her, but we're glad you did. Yep. yep. And so, since he's not here, I, I think you guys know where this is going to go. Um, <laughs> uh, I can imagine we're going to spend a little bit more time talking about Underworlds than we normally would. Um, we had a recent tournament that we went to, and uh, I've gotten a handful of games in with the authorities, um, so we'll probably talk about that. And then I know Trace has been doing some deck crafting on on Thundrix Profiteers, the Scoy Pirates. I've been um, raiding the vaults and looking for cards. Are yeah. <laughs> um, so so we'll dig into that. We'll do so go over the tournament and talk about you know kind of what we're thinking with Underworlds, what we're playing, and stuff like that. Um, and then I, I think we're gonna spend a little time so the uh, Australian Championship. Uh, there was a studio preview. Yeah. Um, um, which yeah. I think caught us all off guard. Yeah, a little um, bit. Yep. So, but we're excited because, uh, I don't know, there, there's some content in there that a uh, certain, um, some curiosity. What? They have been stoked. I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, sure you don't. Where's no. Danny to reel us in? You know, I it's going to be another lawn episode. It sure okay. seems like you're less Warcry curious and more Warcry committed. Oh, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah. So before we dive into all that, what's uh, what's everybody been up to, Trace? Um, I've been doing a lot of painting actually. Um, went through and I've I've I think on the last episode I talked a little bit about how to done some base coats for for Jared for part of the doubles. Uh, list that we had done, doing some skin tones and stuff. I've since then painted, um, been painting a lot of Beastmen. Um, got all the bases that at least I have um, together and painted for um, the Realm of Metal, which is what we decided to 
base our army out of. Um, Jared and I kind of talked back and forth about techniques that we were going to apply to that and just using some of the the nice tutorials that uh, GW puts out. For so bases were based off of the Duncan. Um, actually, was it Peachy? It was Peachy um, that talks about the realm of metal. And then Jared actually had never really used um, nylac oxide before, and so he was just like, I just went and watched the tutorial that Duncan did when the paints first came out, and just doused the entire base in nylac oxide and wiped it off with a paper towel. And it turned out great, and I was like. Well, I guess I need to do that now too. Yeah, so, and it, but it did turn out great. They do. Um, it, it's really cool because it adds this really um, aged effect to the bases that you can still like. You can still kind of scrub some off um, yeah. to where you can still get some of the the shiny bits to pop out. But they looked really good. And then I also got some tufts in from Gamergrass um, that are kind of a teal and blue color to kind of make them look more. Um, supernatural um and those really pop off the base really nice because they're a nice complementary color to all the warm tones that we have in the bases so i'm excited to get those done um but what i've spent a large part of my time on the past week or so is um getting my um underworld's war bands up to speed for um for nova and Involved with that is a certain display board that I will at some point put up on the Facebook page. I'm not going to put it up just yet, um, but it's it's turning out really nice. Um, yeah, you should do some like rumor engine style, like super zoomed in pictures. I could do that. That would be fun and make them all black and white. Yep. Yep. Um, but you guys, you guys will see that eventually. I'm really proud of the where that's going. Um, yeah, it looks great, man. I, I love what you've got put together so far. It's, it's getting uh, there. Yeah, uh, get out of here, Jason. Wait for that. <laughs> um, but I've really put a lot of thought into my color palette, um, what I wanted the diorama to look like, and what I wanted the actual warband to look like, and I think they're really going to pop. Um, and I'm kind of stopped on the on the diorama itself right now just to see where the warband falls and what I need to do. Um, if I can bring the details up a little bit on the on the um, display base, then I will. But um, for right now, I'm kind of happy with where it's at. Um, but that's kind of it in a nutshell for me. Um, Jason, what you been doing? Uh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> did, you, did you finally get all of your... Um suppressors are they all are they all fixed they're not fixed so oh sorry should, no, no man not. i was i was trying to give you a win there man my bad <laughs> no i mean really for me i mean work has definitely picked up so i haven't been uh focusing a ton on hobby and really like with underworlds being my number one game the the deck um builder update kind of halts me there so i don't for me, like I don't really start tinkering until I can get into that that deck builder builder and start playing with the cards. Because the way I build a deck is I I select everything, so I'll end up with like an objective deck that's like 20, 25 objectives, and then I make decisions from there. I have a ploy, they a bunch of ploys, yeah, <laughs> right. And then I 
I, I kind of narrow it down that way. So those not being updated right away um, has definitely uh, slowed down my hobby progress because I was waiting, waiting, waiting. Uh, but some things I have gotten done, you know, like uh, I laid out every, I put up my spray booth. So that, I mean, I posted a picture Ooh, of that. Yeah, that so I've, I've yeah. definitely repositioned and, and, uh, and ready to hobby commit again from the painting standpoint. So the, the spray booth's up. Uh, the paints are out that's all organized um which takes me some time because there's a lot of stuff that i have uh all the warbands are laid out and kind of order of way i want to tackle them as well as all the shadow spear stuff is ready to go like i had a, you know finished a couple details with the pop goes the monkey stuff uh and then i actually started assembling the rest of the space marines um so the few things that i had left were some aggressors um the uh tank the uh redemptor it's redemptor the repulsor Ulcer. there you go look i can't remember what the name of the tank is anymore we need to play more 40k <laughs> yes we do uh, the repulsor some hell blasters um so just got all that additional stuff for for the army uh set and ready to go um but no paint yet and uh still working on those godsworn hunt decks so, Jared, you? So, uh, yeah, not a lot of actual hobby progress uh, with, like you, you know, kind of waiting on the deck builder uh, to be able to kind of theory craft some decks. But um, should be painting you know, some corn. Well, <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. I'm you're kidding. not you're not kidding. I, I do need to paint some corn. Um, so as far as painting goes, um, I think it's, yeah, I put it up on Facebook. Uh, kind of did a proof of concept for the effect that I'm attempting to get for my yep. yotharis um yep. so a lot of the like uh, most of the stuff that you see online is you know they get this like bright kind of glowy ghostly effect um and i really want to try to invert that so uh like a, a black like the, the models will be like legit black like a bad and black um with an inner glow and i'm going to try and shoot for a purple and uh the first test run was close, but not what I wanted. And then I've done another test run and it's still not what I wanted. Um, but thankfully, uh, I have got a test warband to play around with. Um, so Trace and I just swapped warbands. So he owns two sets of the Profiteers, one to play with and one to paint. And I own two sets of the Authorities Guardians, one to play with and one to paint. And I'm currently doing some proof of concept on my my like play models my uh i haven't even uh assembled the the ones that i'll eventually paint i just want to get some kind of techniques down so um i think I've, i spent a lot of time so I, I don't know if i talked about this but when i was painting the um what are they the stormcast eternals mm -hmm. um i was trying to use as large a brush as possible so I, I settled on like a number two brush, which was perfect because it, it's big enough to hold enough paint to do base coats, but I can get like I can pull a small enough point to do a lot of the detail work. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason I did that is because I'm really trying to improve my brush control because uh, I knew that eventually it was going to come down to, you know, like when I start wanting to do more detail work. Um, I'm a big fan of doing freehand. I'm not great at it yet, um, but like being able to do the skull masks on my anvils of the held and hammer, like, mm -hmm. you know, having the brush control to be able to pull those straight lines so that it looks like teeth and it's not like a jagged mess. 
Um, so, but I think I'm going to have to, I, I'm going to have to go down and I, I was using a five, a five zero brush and I don't think that that's small enough to get like the, the tiniest, like the brightest inner glow that I'm going for. So I own a 10 zero. Um, so I think that's the next step. And well, I think I'm just, also going to have to break down and get the goggles. Well, and just also, yeah, you will need some, you'll need some jeweler's glasses. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to avoid those. Don't, and, don't avoid them. Just embrace them and just keep moving on. Oh yeah. Um, Take some pictures. I will. Old man, you. Yeah. Um, they'll, you'll really appreciate it. For oh, I'm sure I will. Guys. Um, but at the same time, just don't forget that you can erase what you did. Yeah. Like, um, well, that's, I mean, yeah, but I mean, we talked about this with the, with the corn, right? Like the fact that the armor is going to be black on the corn means I can do all of the gold first and then cover it with black. Right. So because since I'm, your skin is going to be black, you can always go back over your top layer with your black. Right. It's um, it, the, my problem right now is getting the, the smallest crevices to look right. And that's, what's going to require like the tiny brush. Cause I, I think the way that I'm going to have to do this is going to be to go inside out. So go with my, yep. like your darkest. brightest color. Well, no. So, so in a crevice, right. Mm -hmm. So go with a larger brush with a darker color and then go with a smaller brush with brighter than that. And then the smallest brush. So basically I get like a, a wide line, and then a narrow line within that wide line, and then like a pinstripe in the middle of those three. And uh, it'll be, by the time I do it right, like if I'm really going to go try hard in the paint, it's not going to be three lines. Like I'm going to do some blending. So it'll be like five lines or something. But I think to get the effect that I want in that inner crevice, like especially in like the smallest creases of like muscles and stuff, I think I'm going to have to do like just the smallest brush that I own with like a little bit of paint and just pull you know, like a, a millimeter or two line at a time. Cause that's all the paint that stupid tiny brush is going to hold. Well, and don't, there's a reason, there's another reason why I sent you that tutorial on the, that bloodthirster, the glowing yeah. bloodthirster, because the way that he approaches that is another way that you can do it. Yeah. So, so to, to, to go inside out. Correct. So start so, with the brightest base mm -hmm. coat and then paint yep. the layers up. Yeah. Um, I think and, that's an option, but those like the musculature and the like, the like scarring on those models mm -hmm. when you look at them on the gw site you're, i was looking at them i'm like oh like that detail is super easy to pick out and then i'm like holding this model and it's this yep. tiny little spindly super small yep tree yep. it, and i'm like oh my gosh this thing is tiny i don't know i'm gonna do this but i'm excited to like to learn and to stretch because um you know with the stormcast eternals i wasn't i wasn't stretching mm -mm. painting skill i was stretching like speed right like yep. what's the what's the fastest that i can do like what's the simplest technique that i can do quick to make it, and look, it good. look good yeah. you know because that's going to be a whole army right like that the goal is there's you know if i and i you know i bought them like if i buy a box of liberators i don't want to take you know weeks to paint five liberators right like right. it would be awesome to get down to where i can take a week and they're done in a week um but like you know, I've got from now until Nova, right? I got to get this mm -hmm. step down. I think I have a good plan for the bark. Like, I think that one's going to be a lot simpler because it's going to be more what I'm used to doing. So it's going to be a base coat and then some washes and then blended layers. Yep. Um, and then the, the, if I can get this technique down the way that I want it, I'd love to do it on the weapons too. So like you can see the models on the website are kind of ghostly 
ethereal bodies and ghostly ethereal weapons, and I'm going to try and do that the same. But the bark is, you know, it's it's more natural. Like, I've painted Lizard Man. It's, you know, getting the textures and stuff there is, I think it's, it's going to be a little... Yeah, I think it's going to be a little easier. It's not going to require uh, the same. And also, like, the light study on that is a lot easier to do, right? It, when you're not inverting your your light source, mm-hmm. it it matters. So I'm excited about, like, the stretch that this is going to require. But anyway, so... Um, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I've been working on and it, you know, I haven't touched a brush probably in four or five days and I need to get back into it, but I'm excited to see how that turns out. Yeah. I think, um, I think you should try another one that you kind of work from your brightest color all the way out to your darkest color. Okay. Um, yeah, and I think it's worth trying and don't be afraid to mix some of your paints along the way because yeah. The thing to remember is, like, with your contrast, like, yeah, you're you're going to try and push all the way to black. I don't know that I would go all the way to black. Like, I would go to, like, super, super dark purple because I know that you're trying to, like, push to purple. Right. But there's some really, really dark purples that are going to look black when you have them next to that really, really bright undercoat. Yeah. So just experiment with that. Um, Yeah. Because I think you'll be please like obviously the black is going to be your your highest point of contrast right but to still maintain that color that you're going to want i think you're you'll be happy with a super dark purple yeah so are you saying the most important thing in life is contrast (gasps) oh oh oh. well played well played life so jason you want to you want to cue the audience in for those that haven't, that don't know. What are, what are you referencing there, Jason? So uh, there was that teaser a few months ago from the Warhammer community team about, you know, 50 shades of gray. 50 shelves of gray. Oh, yeah. 50. The movie is 50 shades of gray. 50 Correct. shelves of gray. Then there was another teaser with kind of a, a Matrix parody this week or this past week. There was the... Uh, Conan the Barbarian type but it, of, but it was uh, Duncan the Barbarian. Yeah, Duncan the Barbarian, uh, where they're referencing their next innovation and in, from a, some sort of painting, which we theorized a, a few episodes ago, uh, from paintbrushes to airbrushes to cans of paint. We don't know what it is, but we know it has to do with contrast. And it'll be um, on. It'll be up for demo at uh, Warhammer Fest this weekend. Yep. So, you're so gonna, we'll figure it out. All the information we'll, yeah, about we'll it. Get, we'll figure it out this weekend. So. One of the things that's been speculated is that it's actually like a self self shading paint. So kind of like the Night Haunt paint that they released. I think Ooh. that might have been a test, um, but just different shades of that. So that would be interesting to see. But to hey. paint your models, to see them displayed before you, and to hear the adulation of your peers is definitely the best in life. That is what is best in life. There so, you go. Uh, and if you yeah. haven't checked out those videos, please, please yeah, do. go watch them. Uh, yeah, They're production awesome. quality on those has been amazing. So, um, well, uh, well, thanks for playing the part of Danny and uh, roping us in there, Jason. Um, so, why don't we uh, why don't we take a break here and then uh, we'll uh, we'll jump into our crack glass segment. So we'll talk about the tournament that we just did and kind of our thoughts on actually having played the new warbands.
Welcome back. Uh, we're going to jump into our cracked glass session here tonight. Once again, it's unchained because it's just the three of us. Um, so I'm sure this will be a real quick, short, and sweet. Um, but we have lots to talk about. Uh, we, all three of us, both uh, myself, Trace, and Jared, attended a tournament uh, a few Tuesdays ago at our local uh, shop, Game Theory, here in Raleigh. Uh, and this tournament was a little bit different. Uh, it was, you know, a single skirmish event, uh, so best of one, but it was limited format. So uh, the organizer, uh, Britt, did a really good job at trying to invite new players out and giving them uh, an approachable format to get in. Uh, the format is you can bring any warband you like with the cards from that warband. Uh, and then the only universals you can build your deck from are cards from the Night Vault or Shadespire starter set, uh, Echoes of Glory, and the Leader cards. Um, so very limited format. Um, saw a lot of great things. Um, but we're going to talk about, give you a little recap on that. So we'll start with Trace. Um, Trace, what warband did you take to this tournament? Um, well, I hadn't had a lot of chance to play here recently, so I went with kind of what I had been playing. So I brought Molog's Mob, um, and in my Molog's Mob deck, um, I had a lot of the things that kind of, it, it made a, it made it a very interesting format for us because a lot of the things that you normally would just throw into a Molog's Mob, uh, deck, um, aren't exactly available. So um, my objectives were Conquest, Denial, Shining Example, Slayer, Demolished, Easy Pickings, Feeding Frenzy, Got Them, Brute Force, Martyred, Opening Gambit, and Strong Start. So I had kind of a... It was still a score-immediately-heavy deck, um, but I tried to just do some things that were a little bit unconventional, um, my whole goal for that objective deck was to try and like get you grouped up around me, um, and score things like got them, which got them for those who don't know is score this immediately at the beginning of your activation. If there are three or more enemy fighters adjacent to a friendly monologue. So my whole goal was to try and get you in and around me so that I could get, start swinging around with a bunch of different, like multiple attacks. Um, was it the most aggressive and the most optimized deck? No, but this is a this was a friendly this was more of a friendly um, all comer tournament. So I tried to make sure that my deck reflected that a little bit, a little bit less cutthroat. <clears throat> um, played three really good games. Um, my first game was against one of our new players in the area. His name is Jeffrey, um, and he played his uh, Night Haunt. And Jeffrey had never really played against Molog's Mob before, and so, as we all know, the first time you fight Molog, it's it's kind of a intimidating thing. Like you don't really know what to do. Um, either you try and throw everything at at Molog, and he like swats you like a fly, or you have success, some successful attacks and you end up bringing him down. It just depends. It depends on the tactics used, but you know Jeffrey. Made a really good game of it. <clears throat> um, 
had a couple whiffs that kind of went in his favor and uh, ended up winning it. But I think I won it like eleven to eleven to six or something like that. Yep. Um, something to that effect because I think Jared and I had the same glory differential in our first two games, which is why yeah. we got paired up in the second round. Um, a game that I should have won. <laughs> um, but you know, Lady Luck sometimes will just turn turn her eye upon you know turn her eye away from you. And I had stacked up quite a few attack dice against Jared's last fighter, um, and rolled four supports and one success. And Jared proceeded to block that one, block the next one. And since he had, you know, well-time lunge on Swiftblade, and I had played Haymaker, and that was a dead Molog. So, <laughs> um, but Jared, Jared really played. Jared really won the game on the last play, um, because I had set myself up to score conquest and denial, and Jared placed himself on an objective, thinking ahead for the tie and with his last power card he played baffling illusion which prevented my bat squig from actually getting into his territory um it was insane insanely frustrating but um we ended up tying on glory and jared won the tie based off of him being on the objective yeah Um, i mean that that's a great segue. I mean, Jared, like, how'd you, first off, you're obviously playing Far Strider, so you want right. to bring us up to speed on what your tactics were and then give your... Yeah, so the, uh, it, it was a heavily modified version of the Far Striders that I ended up settling on. Um, been playing Far Striders since after Nova. Um, started aggro, went passive. Neither of those really worked as well as I wanted them to, so shifted towards kind of a control deck so i had in my you know what i would call my competition deck um things like hidden uh not hidden paths uh invisible walls and uh frozen in time baffling illusion you know all of these things to either stop or slow down you know an aggro deck so that i can you know get charged up and then swing when i want to um but obviously those cards are not all available um and and a lot of the passive scoring options are not available um you know when you're running in this limited format so i kind of shifted back towards a uh a semi-passive so i was running eternal supremacy and supremacy um i had brave but cautious um and then you know knowing that i was probably going to face Molog, i ended up with uh i had sigmar's finest in there which is where you're like outnumbered by three or more models um and then, um, you know, and then I was trying to just get a couple of score immediately in there. So I had Strong Star and Martyred um, Intervention, which is the Far Strider specific, take somebody out that's standing on an objective. And then the really not easy to pull off Ranger Strike, which is score immediately when you take two or more fighters out uh, in a single action phase. So... Um, so that was the objectives. And then in the gambits, you know, I didn't have access to everything, but I did get baffling illusion. Um, I had sidestep in there. Um, and then, you know, as much push tech as I could put in there, um, just cause that's what I had been used to running. And then the thing that everybody hates, um, when they face my far striders is that I get all of these 
two dice, two hammers for three damage with cleave attacks. Um, so I get, I, at, in one way or another, I can get that on every fighter that I have. So Farstrider has that upgrade. Swiftblade has that upgrade. Um, if you inspire Eagle Eye, he's two hammers for three damage by default, and then he has an upgrade that gives him cleave for everything. So, um, you know, just trying to get charged up and get those, you know, accurate, you know, heavy damage with cleave attacks um, so that I can get through, you know, Malog or Megors or Orcs or Dwarves. Um, so that was kind of kind of the tech that I ran. Um, my first round was against... Um, Jeffrey's son, um, Blaine, and uh, he was running. Um, who was what was he running? He was running, he was Skaven. running Skaven. Yeah, yes, yeah, um, Skaven. Spike Claws Swarm, um, and that. Um, so that that match ended up being three rounds of of lots of hugs and rat pets. Um, neither of us were able to <laughs> land anything. <laughs> either either i would miss or i would hit but he would defend or he would miss or he would hit but i would defend so it was just a lot of nothing going on for the first two uh two action phases and then finally in the third action phase i was able to make some stuff happen and take some guys out um so the first round um i took eight three um scoring most of my stuff in the end um which i think included a supremacy at the end i don't um and then, so round two was against Trace. And um, I think I was a little rusty, and I made a couple of missteps. And then, yeah, Lady Luck, being what she is, she's fickle. And Trace should have had it. Um, and it just didn't work out. You shouldn't um, have been rusty. You two play all the time. Well, that had been... <laughs> I think it had been two or three weeks since I had played with any kind of regularity before this, though. I think life was just being busy. Yeah, we. I mean, but, Jared and I definitely went through the the testing phase, and but for us, it was more testing on round format, not so much. And obviously, you test the decks when you're doing that, but it was really to make sure the format function the way we wanted it to function yeah um but i'm really like so baffling illusion like trace pull like he's like oh this baffling illusion ruins it for me like go into that so that might be something new to our listeners is it's a card that's kind of overlooked a little bit yeah it's not one that i've seen run a lot so um and i think i've seen it pop up in a couple of the facebook communities but not a lot so baffling illusion um it, it reads as follows the first time a fighter would make a move action in the next activation, their fighter instead scatters X from the hex the fighter occupies and pushes the fighter along the chain to the end hex. X is the fighter's move characteristic. If the fighter cannot be pushed into a hex, the push ends in the last hex in the chain that it can occupy, place a move token next to that fighter. So uh, when I first started playing this card, we, we were actually misplaying it um, because we missed the would make a move action in their next activation, their player instead scatters. So I think I had played it a couple times against you, Jason, and we allowed that scatter to count as a move, um, which meant that you got to continue to pull off a charge, which meant I think at the time you were pretty heavy into your god's form. So got Jagathra, as long as she could get within range three, she could still throw her spear. Olo could still shoot his bow. You did it with um, me too. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But 
it's not a move action. It's, it's instead. So yeah. it becomes a push, and then that fighter gains a move token. So um, we originally went back and forth, you know, as we were kind of coaching each other and deck building and trying to to polish our decks. Is like, is this worth it? Is it like, would it be better to put something else in? Um, I originally just put it in because I thought it was hilarious. Like just the idea that oh, you can't move, you're going to spin around in circles or whatever. Um, but then we realized its strength that no, like you, you can stop a charge. You and and so you're either forcing somebody to draw a power card or put somebody on guard or or something, you know, uh, which allow gives you basically an, another activation to react. Or, you know, if it's somebody that's trying to get uh, into the zone to get conquest. Um, rolling like five dice, mind rolling, you. Yeah, five yeah. dice with the bat. And I was only one hex away, so... Just to kind of get, this is terrible radio, but you were you were right off. I was the, on the no corner, so yeah. so Jared had basically made it to where we were um, diagonal deployment, where you have the three hexes in the middle, and I had one hex. I was on the edge hex right before you got to the corner, and so I was like, I got five dice, I can make this work, and so I did it, and basically Bat Squig just. Shot along the midline and never made it above, and it made yeah. me so sad. But yeah, it was, it was, yeah. But it was a great. I mean, and I told you this at the time. Like it was a hell of a play, and yeah, it was the only way I was going to win was, that match. Exactly, it was the only way you were going to win, and um, it's okay. You got to yep. go play Malog again after. Yeah, me. yeah, I did. <laughs> um, so I'll go into that, and then um. So so that so I won my first and then won my second. So uh, it's myself and then Austin Johnson, who's a, a semi regular at at the the tournaments that we run at Game Theory. But he actually plays more often at Atomic Empire. Um, that's kind of his home store. Um, he was playing Malog as well, and and I I think I did about the best that I could. But um, I think that uh, there were a couple of roles. That and that's all it takes with Molog, right? Is one or two rolls to go in his favor before things go crazy. Um, that that ended up, uh, you know, getting it out. The one thing that I I did really enjoy about that game was in the first action phase. Um, so he he won board placement. So of course he you know he goes wide, right? That way, Malog can get wherever he goes. Um, I'm using the Soul Refractor board, so that's the one with the triangle of blocked hexes um, out of the Night Vault box. And so I position my three objectives, you know, as far back as I can within the limitations so that I can be set up for supremacy and eternal supremacy, and I draw into supremacy. But then he puts the Stalag Squig on one of my objectives. So... um, so that was rough. Um, so I kind of did some maneuvering and some finagling to kind of keep Malog away from me as much as possible. Um, he ended up getting in and he got a swing on Eagle Eye, who was on position next to an objective, the one that the Stalag Squig was on, because I had gone in to swing um, to take the Stalag Squig down, and that didn't work. Um, and so uh, he ended up 
next to the objective but not on it. So my last activation was a charge with Farstrider. Um, I had played the Lightning Blow, which is the Farstrider-specific ploy that does plus one damage to the next attack. So Farstrider shoots his gun at the Slag Squig. I think I rolled at least a crit. Um, and then his two defense dice failed him. So I did two damage to the Slag Squig. And then I played Rager's Advance to push Farstrider onto an objective and then Eagle Eye onto the now empty Slag Squig objective. Um, and I think that was the only thing that kept me close to being remotely in the game because I got that three glory early and was able to get some upgrades on. But then uh, by the time it was all said and done, I only ended up getting like three more glory. Um, mm. And then Austin ended with nine. So it was nine, six. So Austin. Austin took the tournament. He won some glass, which is cool. Um, but that was, yeah. I mean, that's the way it went. And um, yeah, yeah. So, so good. I mean, way to way to send the first riders off with a top table finish, right? Right. Um, <clears throat> some other questions though, like so, watching that game, and and we'll get to my warband here in a, in a few seconds, folks. I played dwarfs. Look out. Um, yeah, but, like uh, old dwarves, not even the new hotness because they weren't yeah, out yet. Yeah, the old dwarves. So, but watching that, you want, like, you won. I, I'm using air quotes. You lost board placement, so you had three objectives, right? right? So I was like, oh, like, he has a chance with knowing that you had um, suprem- uh, supremacy and, um, you know, the far strider supremacy. But you also ran some strange tech in your deck just in case which was the objective where if you score nothing you score yep so why why would you why did you make the decision to not go for that like what was your thought process so all or nothing that's f- yeah. is the objective it's yep. five glory and if you score no other objectives then in the third end phase if you've scored no other objectives you get five glory um and so, and I think by the time it was said and done, um, I actually would have, if I hadn't scored supremacy, I think I would have had seven glory. Because um, I, I killed the mushroom and I killed the stalag squig. So it would have been two glory for the two kills plus, um, plus the five glory for the objective. Um, the problem there is that you are sitting on unupgraded <laughs> fighters trying to take down Molog. Um, so I think if I had been against another war band, you know, something with, you know, more fighters, but less health per fighter, um, or easier targets, um, then I, I think that probably could have been a way to go is just leave my guys on upgraded, you know, go with the, the inherent accuracy that, you know, um, that far striders have plink damage down, avoid where I can, and just get glory from kills, and then at the end add five on top of whatever kills I have. But I, I was sitting there with a seven health, two hammers for four damage because he, of course, had regal vision, and his first move was to push Molog onto the objective, and then play regal vision. So yeah, um, I was just staring at an inspired Molog who was going to one-shot all my guys. So there was no way I was going to be able to deal with that without being upgraded. Okay. I mean, I, it's just something for, yeah. you know, for our listeners out there that there is this card, and it is a conscious decision because you can score no other objective the entire game until the third phase where you score this. But 
you know, one of the things that kind of gets lost a little bit here in Underworlds is remember that glory denial or disrupting what your opponent is doing is just as valuable as going for your own glory. I know that, you know, now that I've kind of transitioned into aggro warbands, I often lose sight of that, focusing on just what's in my hand and scoring that glory. So it's a, a really good refresher reminder that hey if you can deny some glory and score it all in the end you could still win that's right um well good so you know i took dwarfs the good old uh squatty bodies that don't move whatsoever oh and one other shout out like before i move into my deck you know another shout out to austin like he definitely his deck was definitely put together um, for this style event, you know, he ran double denial in with Molog and, yeah. you know, being an aggressive deck that he ran and, and everyone being afraid of, of Molog and especially in this format, um, he put, brought the fight to you. So he really didn't give you a whole, a lot of chance to get into his backfield. Right. Um, and that really, that really worked out in his favor in a lot of his games. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he definitely had the deck. Uh, and the the war band um, fit to to uh, to win this event. So congratulations to him again. Um, so for me, like the dwarfs were were all the rage. And honestly, I took the dwarfs of the chosen axes uh, as anti Molog tech, and it's fitting because I ended up by playing them twice in this tournament. Um, <laughs> so you know, my first uh, my first match was against Steelhearts. Uh, against a new player, I think his name, yeah, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good match. Uh, he definitely was learning the game. Uh, you know, can't really take too much away from it. It was it was a one sided score at the end, um, but I think he learned a few things. He definitely uh, played it well, where he didn't just rush in and try to hack and slash his way through. He he drew into cards. And waited and bought his time, but then the dice kind of failed him. And um, the way that the dwarfs are set up is, if they um, if they hit you, you're you're gonna die. The dwarfs do punch well. Um, so I took that and I, you know, shot up right to the the top of the the board. Um, I think I won that ten nothing, something like that. It was definitely more lopsided than than the. Uh, than the game itself if some roles went some different ways and in my objectives with the the dwarfs were you know obviously focus on uh fuel because that's kind of a really good strategy when you're playing them uh and then also just to get a little lot of little scoring and at the end of the game be in my opponent's zone so i was playing conquest on unstoppable advance uh and then hold objectives like hold objective one through five uh, and then everything else kind of focused around fuel. Um, my gambits were uh, Indomitable, which is an awesome card. Like, it just mit- mitigates damage down to one. Uh, Piercing Stare, which for, you know, even full format um, games, Piercing Stare is, like, better than Transfixing Stare because it, you know, stops somebody from attacking or charging. And then a lot of pushes and healing potions um uh with regal vision and then my upgrades were all about dice mitigation with you know uh um 
not potion of rage because it wasn't available. I had potion of grace, potion mm-hmm. of constitution. Um, so double moving, making sure I get it crossed, glory seeker, um, great fortitude, and then speed, uh, activated ruins, rising to the challenge, uh, and then some end phase scoring and slumbering key. Um, so that's kind of where my deck was. Like I said, I won the first round, and then I went on to um, play Austin in the second round. Uh, and it was a really good game. Um, he positioned himself well with Molog. He wasn't super aggressive turn one. Um, but I made a critical error and forgot my game plan. So I saw Molog and I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait for him c- to come to me and I'm going to be powered up. So I put my dwarves kind of in the back. I spread them out a little bit, but I, I won, quote unquote, won, or I'm sorry, lost. So I placed first board and I had three objectives to place. Um so I spread out as much as I could because he kind of off-centered the boards. Uh, and where I messed up is I put an objective in the center. So um, I was thinking like, hey, the way that he deploys Molog, I may be able to put a fighter kind of up front, move him onto that objective, regal vision, and take the fight to him. Um, and then when I deployed, I completely deployed in the back and spread out on both sides of my board. And I gave him that objective so he was able to move on Regal Vision himself and set him up into uh, in getting into my zone. And really it came down to to two, to me, to like kind of two things. So turn one, uh, he does that because of my mistake. And I um, lost sight of the, the long term, mm-hmm. as in I fell back even further with fuel I killed uh, the Slag Swig off of an objective in my back corner. And instead of using my push tech to push fuel onto objective to get him inspired next turn, I try to save another fighter and I use that to push them out of range of Molog. So I was like, haha, Molog cannot reach anyone. And then all he did was simply push him back into range. Uh, and what happened there is then I wasn't able to inspire fuel, which put me on my back foot for actually fighting Molog in turn two. Um, but turn two comes along, he comes in, he scores a bunch of stuff, does a really good job at moving his other fighters up and scoring, you know, that feeding frenzy. And, um, you know, he, he definitely played well. Uh, but then at the end of two, I make an attack to eliminate Molog and he crit defenses me. Nah. And yeah. And that, that on a single really, dice yeah, <laughs> yeah, on a single die, oh, he God. critted it, saved it. Um, and that really sealed my fate because I needed all of turn three to get my remaining two fighters from the kind of back of my board into his territory, knowing that he was probably running denial. I didn't foresee him running double denial, uh, the infaction denial and then regular denial. Um, uh, and I was sitting on conquest and unstoppable advance, uh, I was playing a damage hex board, so my plan was to kill off one of my own fighters uh, and get fuel across into his zone um, to score, you know, four glory, so a three glory swing. Um, that did not happen, nah. and because I had to then attack in turn three, right. uh, so I just didn't have enough time to double move and all the things that I had to do to get across, and. Um, he ended up by beating me by three by, because of denial. So, um, you know, the dwarfs st- stood up well. Uh, they did take on Molog in turn three, but just wasn't quite enough. Um, so that set us up for 
Trace and I to play game numero three and going up against Molog again. So, uh, you know, I'll do the, the quick recap. I kind of learned from my, from my mistakes. I, you know, spread out, um, kind of, I went with the same board and same type of setup, uh, where kind of funnel trace into the center with, with Molog. Uh, he came in there, uh, we did a whole lot of slap of fist fists there for a while. He <laughs> definitely missed some crucial attacks with uh, yeah. Molog for some scoring, especially in in uh, turn two. Which is really devastating for any Molog player. If you've ever experienced that, it, it really like takes the wind out of the sails big time. Yeah, and it, it, stall, it stalled you out. I was able to finally rid this world of that terrible troll. Uh, and I was in position to to have my fighters on the other side. So, you know, thinking that he had denial. Um, and then I also had conquest. So I did have fighters on the, well, one fighter on the opposite side of the board. Uh, and then Trace uh, did this little tricksy thing. So he got my... My two fighters were kind of in the center of my board with his other fighters, and he moved in a way that I thought he was coming to attack, which I'm like, this is weird. Like, you're not going to be able to kill my guys. I don't see what he's doing. And then the last activation of the last turn, Trace, what did you do to me? So I played Potion of Grace on the the Spite Shroom, which Spite Shroom wins the day sometimes. So... (laughs) Old Spite Shroom with his move two, I moved him in, pulled his movement token off of him, and Jason was like, okay, whatever. And so then my last activation, I moved him within two of pretty much every uh, the remaining fighters that Jason had, which was two left. And I was within two of the one that he had in my territory, and I played um, center of attention and pulled him out of my territory, which oh, lost nice. him. Which lost him um, conquest and scored me denial. So, so I ended up winning on that one last play. And Jason was like, "Oh, well played." It was, it was nice. It was, you know, a lot of people talk about Molog, and you know, once he goes down, it's kind of over. And yeah, this was limited format, so we didn't have access to all the cards. Um, but it just shows like you keep grinding away and. And you and you got me, sir. You you done snookered me. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was. I might not have practiced as much as you two, but I've got some wily veteran tricks still up my sleeve. <laughs> um, it was nicely done, and I you know I really do appreciate the format, and I you know like to get your guys' feedback on it. But for me, I think it really um, achieved the objective, like. Uh, we had 10 players at this format um, on a Tuesday night, which, you know, 10 players at a tournament on a Tuesday night, uh, I think is really healthy. Um, there were two brand new players. Uh, and then Jeffrey, who is fairly new to the group, only played uh, a handful of times and then even got out some of the the Wiley vets like our, ourselves out there to uh, to duke it out. Um you know, there's, it's definitely for me, the format not only does it introduce new players, but it really refreshed my view of the game. So, uh, because Jared and I do play a lot, uh, and we definitely deck 
theory even more. It was kind of like wiping the slate clean and getting back to basics. And although the games felt slow and, you know, when we were playtesting the format, there were a couple nights where I played guard and, and it was like, we're scoring three or four glory. <laughs> and it's like, how the heck do I get across the board with the warden? It was, but it really took you back to the basics to make you think about how you maximize ac- activations, how you have a plan for glory denial and getting glory. So for me, it, it kind of hit that reset button and I was like, oh yeah, like you, you forget about all this stuff. Cause you're so focused on what's my deck. What's my deck. Like what, like what cards can I do? Like, how am I going to disrupt their plan with, with uh, you know, like a rebound or something like that. And when you don't have access to those crutch cards, I think the yeah. game shines even more. I mean, Jared, like we play a lot. What, what are your, your thoughts well, on that? Yeah. So I didn't have any restricted cards. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> so like there there was no question. It wasn't like, oh god, like how am I going to fit this and that? Like do I drop sudden growth so that I can include trap or do I run superior tactician, but that takes up a restricted slot so then you know I'm not going to have twist the knife or whatever. Um yeah, it was, there were none of those questions. Um and and I think it was a good reset. I think for me personally um if I were going to run an event similar to this, um, like to really get it back to basics, I would probably say in faction cards and then Shadespire Night Vault starter only. So not include the leader cards and not include Echoes of Glory. because um, Or maybe only the leader pack. Because um, I think when we were originally playtesting, we discovered that um, basically every... Um, Warband was going to end up with some objective cards in their deck, like even if it was like one, three, and five, or something like that, um, just because the number of objective cards that even remotely make sense but get get really limited. Um, and it, to echo your point, it really it it slowed the game down, um, and and I think in a bad way to some degree, but also in a good way. Like it was a different way to look at the game and think about the game. Um, I think the only issue that you would run into if you're not running Echoes of Glory, which has kind of some of the stronger, like it's got, you know, uh, Strong Start, Opening Gambit, so, you know, Martyred. Yeah, so either you can throw somebody in to die or you can, if you are super aggressive, if you can get that first kill and get the Glory Train going. Um, I think... The problem that you might run into is I think that like a super passive like Curse Breakers build would be just dominant because of all of their in-faction objectives that don't require dice rolls or killing or interaction with the other warband. Um, so, uh, you know, I was talking to Britt about it you know, before he decided to add Echoes of Glory. And I said, you know, you you might run into that issue, but it might be worth considering banning, like, long deployment if you do it that way so that the aggressive warbands have the opportunity to get in. Um, But then, like, now are you even playing Underworlds anymore, right? Like, by the time you stack that many restrictions, are you really teaching people how to play the game, or are you teaching people how to play your specific subset of the game? So, correct. Yeah, I I mean, I think it could go back and forth. It could go either way, but I mean, that's that was my thoughts on the format. I had fun and and 
you know, I'm with you, Jason. It was it was kind of cool to kind of reset and be like, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to do anything close to what I want to do with this war band. So let me just go to a clean slate and figure out what I can do and play that to the best of my ability. What about you, Trace? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think um, what I appreciated the most about it was, first off, just the response that it got, which was awesome. Um, 10 people on a Tuesday is just incredible. Um, but I think it really did, it made you use your brain more, which is what I appreciate about this game. Like, there's obviously certain things that are <clears throat> a little bit more optimized than others but i mean that's just any kind of game like we as gamers find the most optimized things and then we kind of gravitate towards those things but what i appreciate about the way that this format worked was you had to we had to rethink what you were what you wanted to achieve because i mean i shot several decks to jared on the day of the tournament i was like you know i could run with this one but it was like really really optimized (laughs) Um, had like basically no fat to it. It was all Molog all day. And I was just like, you know, if I run into somebody who's not really played a whole lot, this is not going to be a good experience for them. So then I kind of went back and retweaked it, and I included a lot more of the fighters that um, are in that in that warband. So without this format, that probably never would have happened, you know? Um, yeah. So, and you even said like, that looks like a fun deck to play. Um, and it, it got those, it was, it was kind of wonky and had some stuff that, you know, if it paid off, great. If not, that's fine too. Um, because raw at, at its core, Moloch still has the killing power to like demolish the whole warband on his own, especially in a, especially in a limited format. So like feeding into that and optimizing that, obviously if you want to win, if you want to just straight up win a tournament, like you don't really care. You just want to win. Sure. You could like totally make that. And he's probably your best choice in this format. If you just want to win. Um, but I think the nice thing about the way that this format worked was it, like I said, you, you had to rethink your, your strategies. Like Jared, I know you had to rethink your strategy cause you had gotten so used to playing your warband a certain way. Right. Jason played a whole different warband than what he normally plays because it wasn't going to play the way that he wanted to play, but he was also trying to find something good for this format too. So it got him out of his comfort zone, got me out of my comfort zone. Like it was just, it was just great. I thought that the format was awesome and I appreciate Britt for putting it out there. So cool. So with, with the limited format, what one card, and I'll give an example that you wouldn't normally play that you kind of like found while going through cards and you're like wow that card has some upside and in certain situations um you know for me uh there was really two like commanding reach was uh where you get your commander can have you know up to two range on a normal attack so playing fuel and having two reach like or a, a attack that has range two was like hey i didn't even know this card really existed would never have played it any other time and then uh the really like kind of uh diamond in the rough for me was tyrant's command which is like you 
leader has to be on the board, but it's like choose a friendly fighter that has a move token, remove that token. That fighter is not considered to have moved for the purpose mm-hmm. of their subsequent actions. Uh, you can only play this if your leader is on the battlefield. Um, keyword there, choose friendly fighter other than your leader. So like very like situational. Yeah. Um, but I honestly never read that card before. And like, like there's a lot of applications for that where like, you know, you got the dog running up one flank, you need to double move them. You can just set a lot of stuff up with war bands that people will not be expecting. Cause that card is not played. I mean, Jared, did you notice any card that you didn't normally play? So I think a lot of what I ended up doing was trying, you know, in the gambits and the the upgrades was trying to replicate kind of the functionality that I had built in already. Um, as far as, you know, being able to kind of do some avoidance and have push tech and get my guys tooled up before I go in for the kill. Um, so there wasn't anything like really innovative there other than, um, I actually put center of attention in and the, the intention there was to, to get somebody off of me. Um, and I think I used it at one point to maybe even move a fighter. I think in the game against Austin, I think I played it on the stalag squig to pull Eagle Eye back to adjacent to the stalag squig on so that I could then subsequently push him onto the objective, assuming that Farstrider killed the Stalag Squig. Um, so, you know, it's not something that I normally would have put in there. Like, I would have much rather had Distraction, where I can push an enemy fighter. Um, but, you know, it's not available. Um, and then I think that for the objective, you you actually already called it out as the all or nothing. Like, in this format, you know, five glory. <laughs> <laughs> Boom, done. Because, cool. I mean, I think I was, I scored like, I think it was 8-3, eight, 8-8, eight, eight, and then 9-6. Those were, that, I mean, that the, that was the glory in, in my three games. So, you know, five glory could have been a win, you know, if a couple of other roles had gone a different direction. So, um, yeah, those are, I mean, those are the big two. Cool. Trace, what about you? Anything so, out of your comfort zone? The two things that really, the two objectives that I put into this deck that were outside the box for typical Molog decks are Got Them. And when Jared saw this was in there, he just laughed. He cackled. He was just like, because it's the score immediately at the beginning of your activation if there are three or more enemy fighters adjacent to a friendly Molog. So, like, and I had Sidestep, Predatory Growls. Uh, and I also had center of attention in here, so I had three push cards on my ploys to try and get people in contact with me. Um, just so I could potentially score that. And then to kind of bounce off of that, I also had easy pickings, which is score immediately if there are two, if two or more enemy fighters are taken out of action by a single attack action made by a friendly fighter. So like Moloch has a sweep attack, so. And it's two damage, and when you get hit, you when you get great strength on him, it's swinging for three damage. So, like it's not it's not an attack to kind of you know sneeze at, um, especially if you've got some people who've been just kind of dinged up as they come yeah. across the board. So, <clears throat> you know, just two little things that I tried to throw in there to kind of combo. Were they the most optimal you know optimal things? Obviously not, but 
it was a fun thing to try and pull off. And if I had gotten, if I had pulled that off, like if I had killed two fighters and also had them adjacent at the beginning of the turn, that would have been a five glory swing off of a one, like yeah. one activation. So, um, that would have been fun. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, those are the kind of things that I kind of looked for. Um, and then it's funny that you talked about that Tyrant's Command card, Jared. I mean, um, Jason, because I remember last year at Nova, you were in a hot debate with yourself about whether or not to keep that in your skeletons deck. I remember you having that in your deck. Um, and I was like, it's an extra action. <laughs> um, and you were like, yeah, so I should probably just put in something like whichever one that allows you to push two fighters. I forgot what the name of it is from the leader's cards. Um, uh, quick yeah, advance. Quick advance. Yeah, quick advance. You took, you took, you had changed some other stuff around and you put a different object, you put a different upgrade in, but I distinctly remember us talking about that card in the hotel room before, wow. before the first night. It goes, see, so. that just goes to show like with the cards and how much you focus on it, I completely forgot about it. I mean, I'm like, this card is sweet. Yeah. For a limited, <laughs> I, for a limited um, warband that's like, that needs movement. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's great. Cause it's a free wave. It's a free potion of grace that you can do every turn. So. Or do. Yeah. So cool. Um, well, that's the that's the tournament recap. So once again, uh, the battle mallet players fall a little short and don't get that class. But it's not like we're counting anyway, right? Like we're no. just just now. Um, so good with that, guys. Uh, you know, appreciate the format. I appreciate the group that came out on Tuesday. Um, but since then, we've had. The Warbands come out, which we talked about, you know, the, the kind of reveals on the last episode. Um, but we've had some time to mull over the cards and work on some decks. Uh, Jared and I finally started practicing this week. So I just want to give, like, you know, for first impressions, like, were our, were our thoughts correct with the reveal? Are things playing out the same way? Um, and I, you know, I'm going to start with you, Jared, cause I know that you got uh, a few games in with the, um, with the, the elves or tree people or whatever we're calling them. The treeple, the treeple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to be fun. Um, I, I messaged trace, uh, earlier this week, maybe it was late last week. I'm trying to remember. I, it was like pros and cons going back and forth. Um, that was today. Remember. Was it today? I, was yeah, that? Pretty sure I it was today. I don't remember. But um, I love move four. Like that's a lot of fun. Um, so prior to this, you know, I was the you know prior and leading up to Nova, I was orcs, and they're all move three. Um, and then I switched to Farshiders. So uh, two of those guys are move three. One of them is move four. Um, but there's only three models. So like move four is. Like it's fast <laughs> and it's, it's faster than it seems. Um, it's not as fast as the rats, you know, made move five all the time is, is pretty impressive too. But, um, it was Friday. He sent it to me Friday. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So, um, so, but your deck build is a little 
I don't know. I thought it was kind of unusual because you're kind of like a hybrid, like a aggro, but you have a lot of casting. Like, what was your thought there? Well, so I, I've never played a warband with the wizard before. Like, I mean, not consistently. Like, you know, as we're kind of testing things out and we want to play against other stuff. Like, I've played Curse Breakers and I've played Thorns and stuff, but never really went heavy in it. Um, You're a wizard, Harry. That's right. Better than being a hairy wizard. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, but, so, th- there are a couple of uh, a couple of reasons that I kind of went spell heavy. And one is that Yiltharis are the only ones that are going to have access to two ways to remove objectives from the game. Um, I think so orcs do two, right? They have one. They have, they have one. one. Right. So one is a spell. So that denies any warband that doesn't have... Um, a wizard, which is the orc. So the orcs have one. I think if Gerzak can like raise, like if he's standing on an objective, he's got a ploy to remove it. Um, so there's the spell Abyssal Unmaking, and then mm-hmm. there's a ploy in the um, in the Yiltharis for them um, called faction Leech specific. Power. Yeah, it's faction specific. It's called Leech Power. I think we, it. I think it was leaked, and I think we discussed it when yeah, we, we were super we talked hyped about on it. it a little yeah. Bit. And so um, the thing that, uh, that it really helps with is they have an end-phase objective called Recra- Reclaim the Lamentary, which is hold all of the objectives on one side of the board. Um, so that could be one objective. Um, like even if I get, even if I l- lose the board roll and end up with three objectives, I can place one center field, right? And then if my opponent doesn't know what I'm doing, they're going to be like, oh, well, that's cool. I'll just put two objectives on my side. Um, and then, you know, if the cards line up, I can destroy one on my side, stand on the other one, and then even destroy the one midfield. So now if they have like supremacy or if they've got the technical supremacies, now those are off the field. So to back all of that up, the authorities are the only warband that have a way to remove, have two ways to remove an objective, which makes the score immediately objective scorched earth totally viable for them. Mm-hmm. And I think they're probably the only warband that I would ever run it in. Um, so I think I kind of started there. Like I was looking at that. So the Reclaim the Lamentary objective and the Scorched Earth. Like just kind of something unique that nobody else is going to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've already got one spell in there. Um, and part of removing an objective ends up inspiring Yilthari. So I'm probably going to regularly have an inspired wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is that if she ever rolls a crit when she's casting a spell, she removes a wound token, which will inspire her. So like, even if I don't have leech power in hand, but I cast a spell and roll a crit, well, now she's inspired. And the importance of being inspired is the well of power. So it's you the upgrade. And I'd even think about something now that you just said it aloud. Like, so her reaction is if you roll a crit while casting a spell, you remove a wound token. Right. Well, if I double crit, I take a wound token, but my reaction then can be to remove it. So I think that the reaction happens. I I don't know what the timetable on that is. Like, I don't know if you would be able to not just take the damage. I think, I think my thinking, the way that I'm looking at it, is that I would do the reaction to the roll 
I guess it would have to be after. What's her card say? Does it say during or? Um, after. Okay, so you technically could do it. Yeah. So you you would you just wouldn't want to do it if you have two damage on you, right? She's three health, right? So yeah. you're not going to be fishing for crits. Yeah. Um, but if she is not damaged, right, she would roll, take the damage, and then remove it because she rolled a crit. Um, she becomes damage two at range three, right? She does. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, um. So she's got that going for her. And then her inspiration is that she goes to move five. Um, so she's threat range eight for two damage, which is nothing to scoff at. Um, she's default. She starts at two dodge, um, which puts her one step above um, Vortimus. I mean, she's no Storm Sire, right? She's not sitting on a shield to two shields. But the upgrade that Jason and I ended up talking about this week was acrobatic and throwing that in my deck. Um, mm-hmm. But to back up again, well of power, right? So she, it's, she's fairly easy inspire mechanic. Um, and then rolling three dice and she's not as worried about the double crit situation. So it's relatively easy to get her rolling three dice to cast spells. I already have one spell to remove an objective. It seems kind of silly to not include others. Um, and so go, just going through, they have um, an infaction spell that is um, a one damage to a fighter within five hexes, which is, I think, the only range five mm-hmm. plink down. Um, and then there's Sphere of Akshi, which is range four for one damage. So, you Do know, you by have the scroll time- of recall in your deck. No, yeah, I should put it in there. Um, it's definitely a thought. Um, remove three objectives from the board, sir. Yeah, right. Well, it's just, um, I mean... Or do Abyssos withering twice. Yeah, yeah right. I, uh, I just think, um, you know, with that, it kind of it gets you started. Um, and then it's, it's key that even if those two cards... So, you know, some people would be like, well, what happens if you don't get the cards to remove the objectives like you still have four fighters so right so you know i can I mean? just like, sit in her and do stuff with the other ones yeah so you can still go and grab the objectives you need to score that card because that right that two glory card is just like for one objective like if you if you won board placement and you put one center field and then one in your area right like yeah you might be playing into a objective opponent which then you'd have to be smart about Right. But if they're an aggro, like yeah, one, you don't give them, you don't give them Fainway. Like there's no place for them to come because you have one, right? And, and you're scoring two glory. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, and if I, you know, and if I'm, you know, if I can kind of read the thing, or if I'm in a best of three format, it figures out that they are playing supremacy, or they've got the tax supremacies. Then I just put two of them in my deployment zone. Deployment zone. Gosh, are we playing 40k? Um, <laughs> two of them in my territory, and uh, and then I mean I've got four fighters, so boom, two move actions, mm-hmm. right? And I'm just kind of waiting, you know. It's not, it's not selling anything out. So, I mean, they're not. I you know I don't think that they're like the bee's knees. I don't think that they're going to be like the new hotness 
Um, well, I think any, like we've talked about many times, like any warband that's piloted well can win. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yep. That's And that's my goal. And that's why we love um, this game. Yeah, that's true. I, I mean, just my feedback on it, like when we played, like we've played two games, one against my Eyes of the Nine, which, you know, it, it is a passive aggressive style of deck. And um, you kind of like, I also have a lot of movement in that deck. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of came down to dice rolls and you definitely can see that, that, that your warband having three health and with only one fighter with four can fold really quickly. Um, right. But then playing against the Godsworn, which I'm just terrible at, I'm going to admit it folks. Like I love my Godsworn, but I am the worst pilot of a Godsworn hunt faction. <laughs> uh, you know, I just can't, can't win consistently, but even with all my movement, you played aggressively um, just aggressively enough. And then you went into this passive mode and I could not get to you. So, yeah. cause you had just as much movement as me. So I think it's another one of these really flexible war bands that I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited to, to play against more. Cause you just, you just don't know what you're, you're going to get And they They hit fairly consistently. They just don't like hit with a hammer. They hit kind of with a sharpened ax. Sort yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's something to get used to is so with the far striders swift blade rolls three dice for everything he does um they're they're always shooting on three dice um and the only one that goes to three dice is um is scott Thiel. and uh i gotta i gotta be honest i think he's the sleeper in the mm-hmm. warband i think people were dismissing him but three hammers two damage with cleave is Nothing to shake his stick at, man. It's a big deal. And if he rolls a crit, then he does an additional damage. Mm-hmm. He's got um, built-in trap. Yeah. Yeah, the the additional... In the in the two games that I ran against them in, you know, Kidspire, or um, Kinderworlds, as we call it, um, he, was the, he was the hero, although my daughter, who was five, killed me like 14 to 4 one game. So, yeah, who's counting? No. Certainly not you. No. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to kind of dialing them in and figuring them out and figuring out the way to go. I think there's certainly some vulnerabilities to to being caster heavy, right? She's only got three health. She's on only on two dodge. Um, so you know, a savvy opponent with a a, a lucky power hand is gonna be able to dome her turn one. Um but you know, that's gonna make you know, it's gonna make the rest of my power hand, you know, easy decisions, right? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I get to the end phase, look at all these spells. Well, I'm just going to ditch them, right? There's no like, oh, should I keep it? Should I not? Like, it could yeah. be useful. I don't know. Like, I'll be ditching well of power. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And, and then currently I've got, you know, I mean, I've got decent stuff in there, right? Like, I've got Glory Seeker, I've got Challenge Seeker, Archer's Focus, Great Strength. Um, so, you know, there are options in there for me to, tool one or two of them up to be hitting for three um it just you know the the question is you know how is that going to work out the one thing that i will say is it is a lot of fun to roll three defense dice (laughs) um especially when you roll a crit and they take damage and something that i didn't drill down into is that it's not react after an attack action from an adjacent enemy fighter it's reaction after an attack Mm -hmm. action yep if there was at least one crit in the defense roll for this fighter, the attacker suffers one damage. So 
oh, you just shot me from four away or three away or whatever. Well, I just felt a crit in my defense, so I have a damage. Yeah, really strong. Well, good. Like, I mean, I look forward to to playing them more and and letting that that deck develop. Um, I think you're you're on to something. Like, there's a good foundation there, uh, and you'll learn. Like, I mean, one during the preview, we really fell in love with the the archer, and I know in our test game so far, she really hasn't had a chance to shine. But I think as you further dial it in you'll find that she's the one that kind of has to soften up the enemy fighters before the, the two heavy hitters go in. So yeah, lot, still a lot of exploring to do. Um, <clears throat> on the other side of the coin, uh, Trace, like I don't know if you got any practice games in, but I know you've been been deck building uh, heavily with with the Profiteas. Yep, I've been uh, I've been looking at some some Sky Pirates a little bit. Um, the thing I've been really trying to focus on with these guys is just trying to figure out ways to score without having to kill anything. Um, and there's a deck that I've got kind of as a preliminary deck. I've gone through like three different versions of this. Like I've got one that's a little bit more aggressive and I've got one that's a little bit more passive and I've got one that's more balanced. Um... But there's a lot of, like, this deck breaks down into nine score immediately, two end phase, and one third end phase, third round. So that's awesome. Yeah, for 17 glory. So it's, I mean, it's right in there. Is that third end phase superior tactician? Because if it's not, it should be. It is. It is. Okay, good. It is. <laughs> um, but it's, it's built a lot around the score immediately and the two that are end phase are victory after victory and combination strike. So, oh, yeah. Like you, you, even if you're drawing one of those in your first hand, like you're really not inclined to ditch it, um, just because of the way that the rest of the deck is kind of built. So, like I've got things that are made from the thunder from Thunderx Profiteers uh, faction only stuff, like Focus Fire. You know, I, that's easy. Like it's very easy for me to say okay, well, I'm going to shoot with three different fighters at the same fighter. And since they're all, like, one damage, you're probably going to be around for most of that. So, um, And then I've got Headshot, which is critical hit with a ranged attack action of three or more. There's several fighters in there that throw... All of them throw three dice for the most part at range, except for, like, two of them. Um, so that's a fairly high probability, at least if you're Jason... Um, <laughs> and then <clears throat> got some of the new the new hotness in there that's kind of going around and piquing everybody's interest. I've got calculated risk in there, and that's also in the same vein as martyred. Like, there's nothing to say that I can't throw the two wound mook into the middle of some lethal hexes and score uh, calculated risk and then martyred right after. Um, which could net me two inspired fighters. So, like, there's some cool stuff there, and it's two glory on top of that. Um, Jason, you'll be happy to know that Peerless Fighter is in this. Mmm. Now you're talking. The um, greatest card ever. But, you know, lots of things in here that don't require me to kill anything. Um, so I'll just kind of briefly go through it, and you guys can kind of give me your snap idea of what you think so i've got change of tactics which is i mean 
why would you not in this deck? Um, Superior Tactician, Victory After Victory, Focus Fire, which is the three uh, attack actions, or three range three attack actions. Um, Headshot, which is a critical hit on an attack action with a range three or more. Calculated Risk, Combination Strike, Get the Hints. Um, long Strider, I'll get to Long Strider in a minute because I'm sure Jason's sniffing his nose at me. Um, Martyred, Peerless Fighter, and What Armor. So that's kind of the, the base deck. Um, I think it's a pretty solid start. We'll kind of play with it a little bit, and it'll make a little more sense once I get into my gambits and my upgrades and stuff. Because I've got a lot of like reroll built in, too, and a lot of mobility that's built around pushes after attacks. So um, from my gambits, I'm rolling with Distraction, Fueled by Fury, Ready for Action, rebounds in there because I know somebody's going to come in and try and get my grill at some point. <laughs> um, shattering Terrain, because there's so many ranged attacks that like that's just nice little extra damage if I can get a successful attack off and push somebody. Um, trap, Seek the Sky Vessel, which is why Long Strider's in the deck. So, choose up to two friendly fighters and make a move action with them. That yeah, probably, probably one of the best faction cards that came out yep but you're my opinion you're searching for one card in your whole deck to make that objective go off but it's also one objective in the whole deck too so um toxic gases because it's probably the best card in the thunderx profiteers deck faction specific it's it's a lose-lose situation for your opponent whether they, they either take a damage or you push them up to two X's. So yeah. it's just one of the best cards that I've seen. Probably. I love the flavor text on that card. Yeah. Sometimes, Sometimes there are no, there are no options. good options. <laughs> yep. Pit traps in here um, because just extra little plinks of damage here and there are awesome. And then the probably my favorite card in this is Stand and Shoot. So you've got a reaction in here that allows one of the fighters who's being charged to take a sh attack action on the way in. Like, that's huge. If I yep. can spare myself from getting killed by shooting you, I'm going to try. <laughs> or even, um, even just do one damage, right? Yeah, like, even just to do one damage. But, like, with some of the other things that are in here, like, it, it could potentially turn lethal. So, um, and then you got. For my upgrades, I have Ancestral Fortitude, which is just a plus one wounds upgrade. Paymaster, so Paymaster says you can reroll one dice each each attack roll made for friendly fighters adjacent to this fighter. So it's made for Thundric, but when Thundric is adjacent to any friendly fighter, it could be two or three of them. They all get a, a reroll, which is pretty huge for one upgrade. Yes, it's just for him, but he kind of is the linchpin for the warband. So if he's dead, you're screwed anyway for the most part. Yeah. Um, True. Rapid reloads in here just because getting extra activations out of Eric, you know, Enric Ironhale is just a good option for me, I think. Archer's Focus, which is reroll one attack dice for each roll, this, for each, for the attack roll each time this fighter makes an attack action with a range of three or more. I mean, they, they all, all have a ranged range. attack action. Yep. <laughs> Except, yeah, they all do. So, um, Blessing of Hydragos, which is probably one of my favorite upgrades in the past um, the past expansions. 
After this fighter's attack action that succeeds, push this fighter up to two hexes. These guys are slow. So yeah. anytime that you're able to succeed an attack, which you're trying to just succeed on most of these things anyway, not necessarily do all the damage, but just succeed, Yeah, being able to reposition after that is huge. Um, and then couple that with Duelist Speed, which is reaction after this fighter's attack action, push them up to one hex. So <sighs> I'm, I've got... All kinds so, of stuff in here. What's something up? just hit me. What's that? Stand and shoot with either of those. Correct. Yes. You're with me. Now. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So And that's hey why there. Hey there, uh, <laughs> you know. Well Molog. Really, we, we were not Well, it couldn't be Molog because it's stand and shoot is against a range one attack. Yeah. Always no, it's adjacent. But it I mean say Mo, say Molog comes in and he wants to be adjacent for whatever reason. So then could, I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. that's awesome. And then I have Glory Seeker in there too. Great Fortitude just to get a little extra health. Potion of Rage to help with some of the critical success cards that are in here. And Tome of Vitality. So at its core, I'm pretty pleased with where it's at right now. And we'll kind of see how it goes. But, um, but yes, basically this deck has a potential for having a quick thinker in here yeah Yeah, like it and yeah this is i like it and i think it's like the nine score immediately is is right where they need to be i'm gonna argue that you should take out long strider all day and like you could totally put in and it's gonna escape me now the glory that you score when you kill somebody with a reaction Um, master stroke master Master stroke Mm -hmm. just because you have pit trap trap Ready for action. So there's three cards that you have the potential of scoring that card with, and stand and shoot. And your the, guy, um, and faction, or the guy upgrade, the upgrade with the well, and then the upgrade with the uh, the guy with the uh, minigun. You've got that upgrade in there too, and that's a reaction. Yeah, reload. Yep. Yep, so there, like, I think that that fits a lot more. Stand and shoot can definitely do it. Your guys go to two damage. Um, you know, you put Glory Seeker on, they could be doing three damage at three range three. Like, I just think that that fits more than your... Let's, don't well, get me wrong. Seek the Sky Vessel is a heck of a lot easier to get. Right? Well, but it's one card. What about... Um, you don't have uh, Death from Afar. I don't, but because I didn't want to build anything into this deck that required me to kill anything. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you had said that. Yep. No, that's a good point. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Because yeah, because like you yeah, you don't have strong start. You don't have nope. Mm-mm. Nice. Nope. None of it relies on me killing anything. I no, can be annoying I like as it. shit. But yeah, it's and, not. And everyone's gonna hate on Peerless Fighter, right? Like, yep. I like, but when you you listen. I love that card, and it like everyone's like take pro- like I guarantee all the listeners like take that stupid card out and yep. put in what That's you fine. just recommended for you know the reaction thing, but like you're because you're doing plink damage, like you're gonna have to stay five to six spaces away to you know get your your attacks and with your movement shenanigans, mm-hmm. you're gonna be rolling so much dice, and mm-hmm. with the score immediately as, as soon as you start inspiring. And rolling three dice and rolling three dice and rolling four and dice. Rolling and rolling four dice on yeah. Homeboy. Like, yep. it, it's 
gonna happen. Um, I mean, it, it would happen for anyone but you, but I Probably. really like it. Yeah, I think it's a solid start for me. Um, yeah, and we'll I get like some it. games in and try and mess with it a little bit. But just kind of the, it's there's lots of sneaky damage in here that you that'll add up over time. Yeah, um, like the pat the pit trap, toxic gases, trap shattering terrain rebound like it's just there's a lot of things and with distraction in there and being able to like push you into my own lethal hexes and doing some other stuff like i think there's some cool some cool opportunities to still be able to do damage um but not require myself to do that damage so that's just going to be a bonus glory on top of whatever um i'm able to score so yeah i like it yep i think it'll be a and I, i knew as soon as as soon as I said long strider, Jason's gonna be like, "Nope." <laughs> He's already bristling over there. Yep. No, I I absolutely love this deck. I think it's, I think it's gonna be fun. It it fits kind of like the way I like to play things in this like keep away, like yeah, you're gonna come, but I'm gonna deny you glory because I'm really not going to engage with you. Um, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. I can't wait to get some some trial games in against it. Um. And and we'll see if you can get your guys inspired, man. They're, yeah, they're gonna be in the... What are you if you're inspired, you go to what, five, four, four, three, three? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, so you know, health. locking on shields, like which is the only real negative because of Cleave and uh Cleave in the game, but you know, he's got built in defense with his reaction setting up the mm-hmm. the damage hexes. It's it's it'll be fun. Um so, anything else on the profiteers? No, I think um, I think they're going to be kind of sneaky. Um, I think it's going to be kind of the same way that Jared's is. Like it's going to have yours. It's take, it, it looks similar to the way that I was running my far striders. It is. Um, and I might have taken a couple notes out of your book. and that is a okay, my friend. You That's, know. You kick my ass enough team? time. I've never. I think I've won against you twice in this damn game. So, <laughs> and most of it's because Lady Luck always favors you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, she does. But you know, it's. Uh, it's. I'm excited to try it. It's completely different than most of the stuff that I usually run, and it's been a, a nice mental exercise for me to think about how I can score glory without just trying to murder my opponent. So. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get some practice games in with you guys and get them painted, which is in the works. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to get some games in, and I think that's probably all we got for Crack Glass, right, Jason? Yeah, I mean, so uh, I think that's a wrap. Um, appreciate everybody tuning in for another Unchained Crack Glass segment. Uh with Danny away where we get to ramble on and on about our favorite game underworlds. And I really hope that our, our listening, our listeners are starting to understand the way that we play this game. So all three of us definitely approach the game from a similar standpoint where we want to take a war band and maybe not play it the way the traditional way or optimized way. Um, I really, I really like the way that we're all approaching the game and, and trying to be kind of a unique snowflake, um, but really push push what the game mechanics are, um, and not just falling in line and playing with that uh, 
you know, really sp- strong warband. So, mm-hmm. uh, with that, we're going to take a break and we'll be back in a couple minutes. Welcome back. Um, over this past weekend, apparently there was an Australian championship 2019 that I didn't realize was as big of a thing as it is. Apparently got quite a, quite a large turnout. I didn't actually get to see the numbers, but, um, but because they had so many people, there was actually a GW preview down there. Did you guys know that? Uh, I didn't know that they were going to do it until I think the sometime last week. And I was like, Oh sweet. Something yeah. to look forward to on Saturday. Yeah. It was really cool. And it actually turned up Friday for us because Saturday there is like, yeah, whatever. I think it was, I think I saw it first thing Saturday morning. Yeah. It was super, it was super early. One of the days I can't remember exactly which one. It was, yeah. But, um, but I was super excited to see all this stuff because it's like, anytime we get unexpected information, we're always kind of excited. So, um, so I'll kind of just kind of run through some of the things that they kind of previewed, a couple of which I have kind of close to my heart. Um, the first one is, I know most of the people who listen to this show play a little bit of 40K or play some some form of GW game, and so you can appreciate some some big stompy things. Well, they previewed... Um, it was a teaser trailer in their animation style that was for Renegade, like a f- actual Renegade Night Kit, mm. which I thought was super cool. Yeah, like <laughs> um, just in the picture, he's like got a bunch of like pikes or spires yeah. on his back and spikes coming off the shoulder pads. He's got yeah, like a bunch of carrion birds flying around him. Yep. Well, in the like a power claw. Well, like, like it looks yep. like a lightning claw. Yeah, and it's yep. on the right hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good! Yep. It's yeah. gonna be really cool. Um, yeah. I think it's gonna be a interesting time here for chaos players here soon. But I'm not gonna delve into all that because not everybody's interested to in that. So, but what we will move on to is something that Jared and I are su- super excited about, oh, which is War Cry. Yeah. So we got to see another of the war bands that is going to be in Warcry, and man, like the untamed they, beast, they look so much like what um, they look like the Godsworn Hunt, Jason. They do I look mean, like the Godsworn Hunt, Jason. How do you feel about that? Well, um, you know me, I'm Warcry curious, so uh, I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, when some pictures appeared in our chat thread uh, sent over uh, by Mr. Jared, and I am, I am really curious. Like I am, <laughs> I I may be committing, and this is exactly what I was looking for in for Age of Sigmar. Like I need this faction. Like you know, it, I want to play Godsworn Hunt you know, untamed beasts in an age of Sigmar. And I think that this will be a great way for me to delve into that. These models are beautiful. Um, they are very marauders, barbarian looking, mm-hmm. you know, so Conan, the barbarian mixed with yep. like a kind of like a beast master esque. Yeah. Um, just waiting for Kodo and Podo to run around the corner. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and really guys, that's what clinched it for me. So, you know, Age of Sigmar, 
I like the the mounts, like so anything that's like calorie based, mm-hmm. uh, and I also like anything that kind of has a pet. So Godsworn Hunt has a dog, and I think that that's really cool, even though he's blind and doesn't really do much. But Squirmy Martyred, um, you know, the fact that these guys are going to have access to like a lion ram. So thing. what you're saying is you like the pets, but you like to murder the pets is what you're saying. Well, not in real life. I love my dog, okay. but I just like, I think yeah. that this war band is going to be, uh, it's just awesome. Like in, in the lion ram death machine, just, uh, just killed it for me. Um, or solidified that I will be buying this set. Uh, and <laughs> That didn't take long. Be, being <laughs> full war cry curious. You know, the other the other model that I absolutely, absolutely love is the big hulking guy. He's got like two horns coming out of his back and he's holding um almost like an axe like that has teeth, but then he's got that big spear. spear. Yep. And it's yeah. like, yes. He's got a like, spear and he's got like it, rope attached to it. Like it's, it's essentially a, a harpoon. He's got like, yeah, he's Hucking he's, a harpoon at you. Yep. He's he's, he's scorpion. Yep. He's scorpion. Yep. Get over here. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So I, the only thing like that I'm worried about is now I have my Godsworn Hunt, which kind of has, you know, this dog skull as a symbol. And then you have the Untamed Beast, which has this like ram looking skull as a symbol. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that in Age of Sigmar, these all meld together where, where I can have one cohesive looking force yep. and play into that, that game as well. So. I don't really think you're going to have to worry because the, the, the actual Marauder sculpts that are for Age of Sigmar, what used to be Warhammer fantasy have been out since Jared and I were in high school. So, um, and you're not far removed. I think you're what two years older than us, maybe. You're one year older than you're talking about. You guys, you you guys were in high school when there wasn't even the internet. So, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, but I think I think that that's a very safe bet that you're gonna have. I think that if they go that go the route of um, Dark Oath, that these are definitely the type of sculpts that they'll have. Because we've already seen the Dark Oath War Chieftain or the War Chief, uh, the War Queen, the guy from Silver Tower who's got a bar- Conan the Barbarian look to him. Yeah. And then you've got these guys, and you've got Godsworn Hunt, and I think that those are going to be the most common theme through. Um, there might be a little bit of a variation, but just the builds of these models are incredible. Like the musculature yeah. on them is awesome. Yeah. Like they just look so, are so good. Good. So I think that you are in for a treat, my friend, and I look down, look forward to seeing you spiral down the dark path with Jared. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, um, there's I a big mean, old it's... eight-pointed store on the side of this, quote, awesome goat lion thing, end yep. quote. Yep. Um, and I just love the okay. tagline. I love the tagline of, of their of their war band, the Untamed Beast. It says, Hunt the Hunter. So, like, yeah. it just, I just think that that's just such a cool theme for them that they're like out for the biggest and the baddest and yep. that's they're that's what they're going to try and take down because they think that through that they gain power which is yep. just such a cool uh, it's just a cool idea yeah uh, i think you're right on it the the only aesthetic thing that has me worried is because all of their weapons are bone weapons mm-hmm. 
and God's Horn Hunt actually has like rudimentary metal style yeah. weapons. Yeah, I think you'll kind of see a, a midway point more towards God's Horn Hunt than you will of these guys, but there's still some very similar style, you know, style elements that are crossovers. So I right. think that they're going to be. I think you're. I'm. I'm hoping for you that they're. Um, that these are going to be kind of the sculpts that we'll see in the future. So yeah. yeah. And my my survey notes said make this army and I will buy it. So yeah, right, yeah, right. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I'm you know and if you know the past is any indication you know GW is really good about getting rules for models to be able to be played in their greater systems. So like the um, Kill Team Rogue Trader box set. Like there are rules to play all of those models in Warhammer 40k. Right. Blackstone Fortress. They released data sheets to play all of those models in Warhammer 40k. So I think in one form or another, I mean this may be like a you know, they might play out as like a small mercenary warband in your you know, your your Dark Oath, you know, uh what's yeah. the slaves to darkness kind of full army. Um but yeah, if these sculpts are any indication of of what's to come of of what's to come for the slaves to darkness dark oath, then yeah, I think you're sunk. I think you, I they've got you hook, line, and sinker, Jason. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fine with got, it. I also think that they've got one of the rumor engines that was the past. I think it was last week or this week. No, last week. The guy that was holding the spear. Oh uh, yeah, he's definitely either from this from Warcry. Or he's from he's also from the um, slaves to darkness slash you, ever chosen. You thinking like a vanguard on foot? Yep, I am. Yeah, I am because it's exactly the same gauntlet style that's right. on the vanguard. Yeah, it almost looks like a terminator gauntlet, but it's not quite mechanical it's enough. Not, mm-mm. and they don't they don't really do that wrapping the same way. Right. Yeah, it looks more do. like cloth wrapping than it does. Yep. Like leather wrapping, which is what you would see on a yep. 40k style weapon. So I think that that's either going to be a another warband for this game, or it's going to be part of that larger release for the Chaos Deities later. Yeah. Anyway, Wait, so back up. You, you lost me here. So there was a rumor engine that had something else that looks very similar to these, but are not these models? Well, it's still... They look. It looks very chaos esque, and, and it, it looks, looks Age of Sigmar. It's, it looks Age of Sigmar, and it looks very similar to the Varengard gauntlets that are on the Varengard. The guys that are riding like the demonic horses for Archaon, like the mm-hmm. pack of three guys. Um, the gauntlet looks exactly the same. So I'm thinking either they're making on foot versions of those guys or that's a character like an on foot character or a, a mounted character that's not Archaon um, or it's a member of like a much smaller more elite warband for this game that there'll be like three dudes that'll have that'll be super armored and stuff like that so yeah, I, those are my guesses I hope so because I mean I got I have ideas for days I'm very I'm intimidated by having to paint so much like flesh but i'm thinking like you know like squad marks you know because i'm very 40k focused like i can do different color tattoos and just totally get into get into that so it's uh that's part about travel marks is they don't have to be neat 
That's yeah. Right. And I think that you'll find that skin is actually easier to pull off than than you think. Than you it, think. Is, it is. Like I've painted skin before. It just it it's like because our like space marine. Let's face it. I've the most I've painted the few things I have is like armor plates, right? right. So yep. So it's just a lot more contour like but i've done fine painting orcs and and other Dude, flesh you, tones do you, so. do you prime xenophile highlight mm-hmm. go over it with your flesh tone and airbrush hit it with a wash edge highlight done yep you don't have to make it super complicated yeah i mean even like just looking at these guys like there's not a i mean there's there's not like a like crazy amounts of depth like it looks like it was base coated washed and highlighted yeah it's just they got my hopes really up because if this warband comes out and it is exactly what I've been looking for, I love the Marauder on on horseback or whatever the riders, mm-hmm. and then you know this warband in God's One Hunt ties so well into Beast of Chaos, like, and then I can get back into my Doom Bowl. I mean, that's you're talking <laughs> years down the road because you know me, I don't make impulse purchases. No, so not at all. Very, very <laughs> methodical. Right, measured measured yes yeah you are the model of solidarity sir that's right um but i kind of digressed on the rumor engine so sorry i spiraled spiraled us out there but so the next thing that we kind of got covered was forbidden power so forbidden power is the next phase in the soul wars campaign where we've got some really interesting looking terrain yeah um do you know what i see what do you see Line of sight blockers. I do see that. Yes. Yeah, like every piece of terrain is infantry height or higher. Mm-hmm. It's a yep. solid surface. Yep. Yep. Uh, I see a really nice model kit to make Prospero burns. That's Ooh. that's what I see. Agreed. Well, I mean, all you got to yeah, do is re- point. you just really got to replace Sigmar up there and put you know Magnus or something like that. You're yep. you're good to go. Yeah, but it yeah. does. Yeah, it has a very Egyptian feel. The, uh, you know, uh, it's onyx. It's here. The, it's here. It's the realm yeah. of white, which has yeah. always kind of had kind of Egyptian yeah. feel to it. So, yeah. And, and it's then, modular, like the way that it looks. Mm-hmm. Like yep. it looks like you can peel like the steps off and stuff. So that, like, the first picture is a rectangle, and then the second picture is a circle, and then the third picture is like a semicircle. So, and it looks like it's all designed to kind of fit together neatly yep. and then build out, you know, these cool looking platforms with bridges between them and stuff. And if you look real closely at the, uh, at the circle image, you can actually see the line that's down the middle that actually yeah, has the center the line where it splits. It's yep. two semicircles that get pushed together Yep, to form the circle. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a huge leap forward for Age of Sigmar from a train standpoint because most of those Age Age of Sigmar terrain kits are you build it this way. This is more of that modular. You build it the way you want want it right. to be. Yeah. So it's really cool. Um, and then there's also the the terrain that's going to be coming in Warcry too. That's going to be useful for Age yeah. of Sigmar too because it's got its own set of terrain. It's going to be very similarly boxed like the kill team box where you had brand new terrain that they had never seen before i think we're going to get kind of the same dose with that yeah. with Warcry. so i'm excited to see that for, for that for that alone so yeah um and then also just kind of going through some of the other stuff like you 
some new, I guess, campaign battles that they've got in the book um, that yep. they're talking about with some of the Fire Slayers and the and the Stormcasts, and then we've also got a really beautiful piece of artwork. Wait, between. wait, wait! Back up, back up. Wait, 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 wait! Because I think you missed something important. With forbidden power, you'll be able to recruit renowned sellswords to your Karos, regardless oh, of Grand Alliance. That. So it's crazy. If you if you look, it's uh it's Fire Slayers fighting against Stormcast. Yep. So these are Cell Sword Fire Slayers. So they say, for example, you could have a Chaos Army and enlist some of the notoriously or Urgold hungry warriors of the Grey Feared Grey Fired? Grey Feared. Grey Feared Lodge. Well, I mean they do like so, gold. Okay. Yeah, but I'm gold. saying like alliances. Like I know mercenaries, allies. Do- dogs they're introducing war. allies from. Well, 40K. but they already have allies. Now they're doing mercenaries. It's dogs of war from oh, Warhammer Fantasy. It is. Yes, it is. Why would you have yeah. to shoot me that? Damn yeah. it! Yeah. So, um, and, so this is my question, and I didn't know you that you didn't know this. I, I didn't, didn't ask see you that. Yeah, like is this, is this going to change anything for for us for Age of Sigmar Devils, or are we just going to stick with what we got? Let's stick with what we got for right now. Okay, let's at least wait until the book comes out, I suppose. We'll see what happens from there. All right. But anyway, <laughs> so so you were going to say this gorgeous piece of artwork. Yeah, there's this beautiful piece of artwork that's right below that one that is the Celestine Prime and Lady Olinder, and it's just it's so it's so abstract and kind of weird looking, but it's just beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um. For those of you who are listening to this, because we're describing an image on on radio, please go to the Warhammer community page and look at it. It's yeah, we'll put half, links. Half, three quarters of the way down the page, it's just it's green and purple and ghostly colors. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then another thing that I was just kind of pretty excited about. Even though I'm not going to be keeping these anymore, probably. Oh. Uh, is there was a a fun little skit that they did in animation form between a Skitari Alphas and a um, a tech priest, and the tech priest is ba- they're basically asking for transportation for the Skitari, and it keeps saying request denied, request denied, <laughs> and then finally, um, at the end of it, it says we'll stop. Basically, we'll stop asking if you just give it to us. And and then it goes dot 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 and it says agreed. And then it's so basically what that's saying is that we'll now have some admac transports come incoming, which I think is a huge step forward for them. Yeah, it it will definitely impact that army with how shooty heavy it is, but at the same time very like glass um from a Toughness standpoint, it'll definitely help them, but we just got to give that shout out to GW again for poking fun at themselves and the community in a way that is so tactful. Like, hey, we've asked for this 500 times. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to do it. Okay, we'll we'll do it. (laughs) So it's it is is hilarious, and um, can't wait to see see what that model looks like. Model or models? I don't know if it'll be multiple or. I mean, because there's been some rumor engines again that 
have kind of lent, them, lent themselves to more admechy kind of looking things. So I'm kind of intrigued to see what those are. Um, and then there's one that you kind of commented on, Jason, which was the new Primaris Tech Priest, who's actually a special character for the Iron Hands, which is something new. Like, I don't think the Iron Hands have had a named special character, have they? No, not in this way. They have not. And, you know, really, it's another, it's, it's one of the first. It's not the first because, um, Shadow, Shadow War gave us a named Primaris, um, HQ, but like it's another named Primaris HQ. It's, you know, for a chapter that doesn't get a whole lot of, um, notoriety or fanfare, uh, in the model, I think this model from Primaris standpoint really shows exactly what scaling up the space Marine um, range can do. Cause yeah. this character he like looks so beefy. Yeah. Like the, the old tech priest model um, uh, or tech Marine model looked fantastic. Like, I mean, I have one for my crimson fist army. It's like, Oh, this is super cool. He's got all these arms, but like the detail on this, it just, it's a whole nother level because it can be bulkier and bigger in the size. Um, I mean, even though I don't run this this chapter, like I'm going to buy this model and he will be in, you know, he will be firing my Thunderfire cannon for my Crimson Fist. Right. Because right. it's the same base size. Like he can be a normal uh, tech marine. So it is, it's really, really cool. I love the gun that's like, you know the the bolter. The he- it's the, a heavy bolter. Yeah, like <laughs> it just heavy bolter. The, you know the 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 feed the bullet feed just is so it's it's just amazing what they can do with these CAD designs and plastic yeah. now. Well, and and it's funny that you mentioned the feet because that's one of the things that I noticed, and it it's one of those things I kind of can't unsee because all I see are like platform disco shoes basically. <laughs> so like, you know, you could do a fun conversion with this of making the tech marine john travolta in it up yeah earlier battlefield but anyway because there's so many pointing fingers and and closed fists in the um in the primaris range it would be super easy for you to like point one finger the other way and have the other one down it would be amazing wait wait a wait a room for me because now i see it you're welcome um, but it is I, you could definitely do that it's yeah. uh but it, I We're mean, I'm, I would never really do that to that. Yeah, model, but I, I, it's just really cool that they're introducing new characters in this, in this way. Yeah. Cause I mean, let's face it like 40 K like character progression has been very stale for, for a long time. So, um, really, really happy to, to see it come this way. But what this also tells me is that just like the chaos Marines got a revised book, you're going to probably see a revised Space Marine book, too, that has these new entries in it. So that's on the horizon, I would, I would anticipate. So Yeah, um, and hopefully the, the rumor engine or the hot button right now is, you know, getting vehicles with chapter tactics because right. they're the only one that doesn't have that. So Well, and they didn't do it for the Chaos book either, so I don't know that I would anticipate that change because they're trying to keep those two... A little bit more aligned with each other but still have their differences um mm. so i could totally see them not giving it widespread 
to vehicles, but what they did do, and I will kind of touch on this briefly since we're on this topic, is one of the things that they did do in the FAQ is they changed the the wording on some of the um, the Legion traits to where it does not have to be infantry for a character. It can just be a character. So that means that Mr. Spiderlegs, the new Lord Discordant, can now benefit from Legion traits, which is just a huge benefit for him. Whereas previously, like it would have been limited to the Demon, Demon Princes and all the infantry characters. Like even if you if you weren't if you were on a bike, you lost your um, if you you lost your Legion trait. Um, well, actually, no, not for the not for the bikers. I take that back. But <clears throat> but uh, characters, um, hell brutes, infantry, and bikers all gain the Legion trait. So they changed that. So if there's something that's not considered infantry for the Space Marines, then that would be like if there's a character that's in a vehicle. Um, then that vehicle would then get Legion traits. Um, so like Samael in his <laughs> in his land speeder essentially could get could get a Legion trait if they if they make that a broad change. Yeah. So that's just something to consider because that might be something that they'll tweak. Um, but I don't know that they'll broadly apply it to all vehicles because I think the only ones that really get that are like. Um, well, pretty much all the other books that aren't Space Marines get that, but Space Marines get other things now, like they get the bolter drill and some other stuff too that widely affects them. So that's just my opinion, though. Well, good. I mean, that's the Australian preview. Well, but that's not all because not? this coming weekend. Oh, no. We get more? Warhammer Fest is coming. Yeah. And no. Warhammer Fest, there are five previews, one for each system. So I would expect a lot of information coming in this weekend, which is May 11th and 12th, um, Mother's Day weekend. So thank you, Mama, and check Warhammer Community. <laughs> yep. So five systems, that includes Underworlds, right? Includes Underworlds, I think. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It'll be it'll be an exciting weekend to see what else is coming out. Well, I know that there is a kind of a preview up of what they're gonna kind of look at. Um, a preview of the preview. A preview of the agenda. Ooh, fancy! Which let me. It's here somewhere. Hold on one second. And I'll kind of walk through it really quick. One moment, folks. Radio silence. Can I yep. get that transport? Yep. yep. It's, it's great radio. Yep. It is. D- denied. Request schedule. Denied. Request denied. Okay. So. The seminar schedule Saturday, May nineteenth, May May eleventh, twenty nineteen, at eleven a.m. We will have the Warmer forty k preview. Um, at one p.m. We will have the Necromunda preview. At two p.m. We'll have the Warhammer Age of Sigmar preview. At three p.m. We'll have the Middle Earth preview, and then. 
2 p.m. we'll have the Horus Heresy preview on the 12th. So you'll probably see some of the warmer Underworld stuff kind of tucked into the Age of Sigmar star. Age of Sigmar stuff. If there is anything new, I'm sure that they'll speak something about um, Dreadfane. the Dreadfane box um, and kind That'd of what cool. it's going to entail. But I'm sure that that will be a very small part of that because there's so much new stuff coming out for Warmer Age of Sigmar. So, um, but either way, we're going to get a lot of really cool information because this is like the pinnacle of the GW previews, like all the seminars that they do at all the other conventions in the States and overseas. Those are kind of babies compared to this one. <laughs> Because these are, this is their event. This is their show. This is where they do Golden Demon. This is where they do yeah. all this other cool stuff. So I am sure that we'll see some fantastic stuff come out of this thing. So, yeah. Can't wait. Exciting. Yep. But I'm excited. I hope you guys are excited. And we will be back in just a few minutes to wrap the show up. Welcome back. Uh, yeah, that's it for uh, episode six. Our Danny lies over the ocean. Uh, just want to say thanks for listening. Um, it was another you, long. Yeah, another long one. Um, Sorry. Danny should be back on the next one, and I think we've got some uh, some good stuff in store. We've been kind of holding out because we want to get Danny in. We're going to talk about uh, Vigilus Ablaze, and uh, we'll get caught up on where everybody is with their Nova progress um so we're excited to to get that out to you guys and uh you know we'll continue to do some crack glass but it'll it'll probably be a little more reined in um in the future um if you like what we're doing and you you want to share um what you know get our content out uh some of the best way to do that is to leave us reviews on facebook and itunes so facebook.com slash battle mallet podcast uh find battle mallet podcast on itunes uh leave us a review um you know, and, uh, you know, tell us what we're doing well. Uh, if, if you think we could be doing something better or uh, there's something that we're not doing that you'd like to see, please give us feedback as well. You know, send us a message on the Facebook page. Um, find us in Discord. So um, I'll put a link. We've got a Discord server set up. Um, we've been slacking a little bit in the, the hobby hangout uh, of late, but we're going to try and get back in that. Uh, we've all got different painting and hobby goals to get done before we go to Nova. So, um, come mm-hmm. find us in there. Um, we'd love to talk shop, you know, if you're playing underworlds and you want to talk about your deck or ask us what we're doing. Um, you know, we're happy to do that there. Um, we're battle mallet PCAST on Instagram, battle mallet one on Twitter. Um, I think that covers all of the social media. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that'll round us out. Um, any anybody got any anything anything closing anything pressing oh um one thing that we have not mentioned yet this show uh socal open so i think that they're trying to get like an official grand clash so they got to get the numbers uh i think it's the last weekend in october we'll get some more information um uh they're trying to get a grand clash for underworlds um so we'll get some more information i'll put a link in the show notes um, and maybe we'll try to get the guy that's organizing it, uh, try to get an interview with them. So you guys know those of you that are either on the West coast or can get to the West coast, uh, for the end of October, um, maybe check that out. Uh, I've heard great things about the SoCal open for other games as well. So, uh, it's a huge event. Um, it's FLG guys, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Game. And it is officially 
Grand Clash. It's officially a Grand Clash. Okay, so they're just trying to get the numbers up for it. Get the numbers to support it. Yeah, okay, so that's awesome. So it'd be the Big Shade Glass um, trophy, um, all the the special swag, all the the accolades and honor. Uh, Yeah, so I think, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to ask you guys if you have any closing thoughts because we've gone on long enough. So uh, for the Battle Mallet podcast, we are three dads and a Lego painter. Uh, uh, oh, oh. This is, this is Jared signing out. This is Trace signing out. And this is Jason Table New Murray signing out and peace. podcast is protected under the Creative Commons license. If you have further questions as to its use, you can find more information via links on podcast.battle-mallet.com. This episode of the Battle Mallet podcast was produced by me, Jared Johnson. Music by Anno Domini Beats. waking me up. <laughs> Ma! Bathroom! Yeah. <laughs>